Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to Get Your Goat. This is Josh, back with you guys. A lot of March madness going on. We'll be getting into that. So many upsets. Upsets all over the board. Madness, madness, madness. That's insanity. More NFL free agency. It's coming to an end. Big names are all off the board. Big players are. Smaller deals now. Who's won free agency? Who's lost it? What are some of the best deals? Will we, we will be analyzing that. With LeBron out, what changes with the Lakers? And then some NHL talk. And then we'll finish up with more college basketball. Because that's a lot to get into. But first... And foremost, we will be talking about NFL free agency. Let's kick off with that. One of the more recent deals that has been announced is the Rams agreeing to sign Deshaun Jackson. And he is now older than he used to be. Well, of course he is older than he used to be, but he's not the player that he used to be. Either when he was in Philadelphia uh, between 08 and 13 when he was selected to a couple Pro Bowls. He was uh, putting up 1,000-yard receiving numbers every year, uh, catching touchdown passes, also returning the football as well, Uh, you know, playing most of the games, playing great. Uh, Then he made a detour to uh, the Washington football team, so, and then when he took his detour to to the Washington Redskins, now known as the football team, he still put up decent numbers there, Uh, that's kind of when he went to Tampa in 2017 to now, uh, that he is no longer the receiver he used to be, he's not as fast as he used to be, Uh, he returned to Philadelphia and didn't play that many games, he was Uh, injured both times, very limited uh, by injury. You can tell that has made an impact on him. Uh, So I was surprised by this Ram signing of Deshaun Jackson. I mean, if you can just get a fraction of a player he was in Philadelphia, if he can play all 16 games, be healthy, uh, he's no longer the number one uh, threat. Is he a deep threat? Yes, because... The receivers they have now are uh, slot receivers. Uh, Cooper Cup is a great slot receiver. Robert Woods is a great slot uh, receiver. But they are not uh, deep threats uh, by any means. But they are very talented, very good wide receivers. So adding Deshaun Jackson can unlock uh, the deep threat that you know Matthew Stafford likes to target. Uh, that's only if Deshaun Jackson is healthy out there and is playing, uh, that is a key thing. If he's play, if he plays, you know, just a half of the games, eight games, nine games, this will be a major win for the Rams. And this and this pay, this signing uh, could really work out for them uh, in a season where their mindset is going in. Hey, this is our year. We upgraded the quarterback. Now let's go out and win the Super Bowl. That's the mindset. So, I don't have any problem with this signing. 
at all wasn't an expensive signing either, so it's not a high-risk, high-reward. Let's just see if they can uh, run it back and run it uh, well with Deshaun Jackson and Matthew Stafford. And then, as they brought in Deshaun Jackson, a wide receiver from the Rams left, Josh Reynolds, uh, who was really good for the Rams uh, in the passing game. He has now signed with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, very young uh, wide receiver, uh, you know, was the third wide receiver on the Rams uh, last year. Started all 16 games, uh, you know, only 81 targets, but he had 618 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, now he is going into a much more different offense where they run the ball a lot more. They have Derrick Henry, but he'll probably be the number two wide receiver on that team. Uh, they've lost Corey Davis. So, yes, they have A.J. Brown, a star wide receiver in this football league. Uh, but you'll need somebody slotted behind A.J. Brown. Uh, I don't think Adam Humphreys is a guy. I think Josh Reynolds will be right there. But then again, it's just how many targets will you get uh, A.J. Brown doing most of the work in a passing game. But most of his offense is dedicated to Derrick Henry running the football, pounding it away. Uh, when you're targeted... You're going to have to make the most of your targets. That's what's made A.J. Brown so well as he makes the most of his targets. Will Josh Reynolds be able to do the same thing? Will he be able to get on the same page with Ryan Tannehill? And another wide receiver, yet a third, was announced, and that was Kenny Galladay signing with the Giants. And to me, this was a big one. This was a signing I was waiting for. I had a feeling he would sign with the Giants after meeting with them. I had a push with the Bears. Uh, and another team came in as well. The Lions wanted to re-sign him. But he is now going to the New York Giants. Great wide receiver. Uh, played four years in Detroit. Uh, his first year, I uh, didn't start a lot of games, uh, didn't play a lot of games. Then he had a breakout year, his sophomore year with Detroit, uh, going over a 1,000 yards, five touchdowns, uh, was really, really good. Him and Matthew Stafford were on the same page. They were connecting, replicated the success the following year, last year. Uh, again, over a 1,000 yards, had a career year in yards, had 11 touchdowns. Uh, his career high as well. Uh, started all games, played in every single game, had over 100 targets, had 65 receptions, uh, selected to the Pro Bowl. Was just a great year for Kenny Galladay. Then uh, going into a contract year this year, uh, he was injured most of the year, only played five games, uh, but when healthy, he is a matchup nightmare. He's a big, long, defensive back or wide receiver that can match up against a cornerback that are usually undersized compared to Kenny G. And he can get it done. He has the ability to separate 
vertically. He'll win the 50-50 ball. He'll win the jump ball. He's going to get a lot of targets from Daniel Jones. Uh, They now have Evan Ingram on the team. Kyle Rudolph, Sterling Shepard will be in the slot. Darius Slayton, uh, Saquon Barkley will be back. This is looking up to be a good offense. Need to have some work on the offensive line. And then we'll see if Daniel Jones will be the longtime starter, if he is the man or not, in the Giants organization. But he's going to have a high target rate. Uh, He'll draw some double teams. I'm a huge fan of Galladay. But guess what? When Galladay was putting up those career numbers, his quarterback was Matthew Stafford. Changing quarterback, changing systems, changing organizations. It's going to be very different. Do I expect him to replicate his success uh, from his career years in Detroit? Right away, no, I do not. I do not think Daniel Jones is that guy to get it done. Uh, but Kenny G will follow the money, and he got a lucrative contract and a kind of down year for free agents. Then another re-signing, the Seattle Seahawks re-signed Chris Carson. I thought this was surprising uh, until it was revealed that Russell Wilson was pushing uh, for the Seahawks to re-sign Chris Carson, one of his friends. Of course, you're going to re-sign Chris Carson after uh, the stunt that Russell tried to pull trying to get off the team. Uh, they re-signed him. They got a better one better offensive lineman and Gabe Jackson through a trade. So one of the five offensive lineman spots have been upgraded. Running back has now stayed the same. Uh, this works out well for the Seahawks because... They love to run the football, uh, so you know it just plays right into their hand, re-signing their uh, running back, Chris Carson, who they think is great, having a good guard uh, to block for him, You know, even though you need a few more. But that is what the Seahawks wanted. Do I think this is a great signing? No, I do not. I don't think this was a smart signing. Uh, last year... Uh, hobbled by injury a little bit uh, in the couple years before he did have you know good years but he's not the you know three down back that Derrick Henry is that they're trying to replicate that Marshawn Lynch uh, was he to me is not that guy what I have seen Chris Carson is not the real deal uh, and when you look at the other needs that the Seahawks need uh, it was very surprising with the catch face they have. They need a number three wide receiver. After David Moore uh, left the Seahawks uh, in free agency, yes, you have Tyler Lockett, you have DK Metcalf, uh, but below those two, uh, the depth is very shady, especially with Josh Gordon not playing in the NFL anymore. Uh, you lost some depth there at wide receiver. You upgraded it tight end uh, with your tight end retiring, Greg Olson. Uh, you had Will Disley, who was good, but with his Achilles injury, he has not returned to the same player. Uh, so they got Gerald Everett, who I think is a very, very good tight end. It could be a very valuable signing for the Seahawks. But they needed a wide receiver. 
Uh, they need defensive uh, depth all over the place. They haven't re-signed KJ Wright, so we need another linebacker. Didn't re-sign Carlos Dunlap, so you need defensive line help. Yes, you re-signed Ford, uh, but you need an edge rusher. You let Shaq Griffin walk. Yes, you tried to re-sign him, uh, but he's not coming back. So that leaves a big hole in the cornerback slot uh, in a one that's already a little shaky. You don't know about Quentin Dunbar. Trey Flowers has just been terrible, flat-out terrible. One of the worst cover corners in the league. He just gets burned frequently. Uh, he's an easy target. Uh, you can pick his pocket easily. Uh, is he has no ball awareness at all. Doesn't turn his head. Makes terrible plays. Uh, bad penalties. Pass interference all over the field. Uh, he can't be lining up as the main cornerback. I don't even like him lining up as the second quarterback on the right side of the field. I thought it was paramount that the Seahawks just re-sign Shaq or at least get somebody else. But this defense that was suspect last year uh, is looking highly suspect right now. And it doesn't help the Seahawks because they only have three draft picks in the upcoming draft. I believe they only have a second, fourth, and seventh. So they really can't do much work in there when they need another offensive lineman, another wide receiver, a cornerback slash defensive help on the line. So you need minimum, you know, four or five positions filled, three draft picks, you know, free agency is kind of done. We'll see if they make any trades with no first-round picks. Uh, but the Seahawks are in a very, very, very uh, unique situation, especially in their division where they could be out of it right away. Because with the NFC West being the top division that it is, having the Cardinals ascending, the Rams ascending, 49ers getting their players back, uh, the Seahawks could very well end up in last place. Could they end up in first place? Yeah, could they end up somewhere in between? Sure. But to me, they are on the verge of being... In last place, uh, not looking good. Russell Wilson losing trade value. I am not high on the Seahawks as I once was with not a very good defense. Not a good O-line and just losing players and re-signing ones that don't matter. Not really addressing needs. Uh, you know, they could have signed a, the Kenyon Drake to a deal. At least have a pass-catching running back out there. But that's if you want to fit Russell Wilson and not fit uh, Pete Carroll and his scheme of running the football. So it is all very, very different. So we will see what happens with the Seattle Seahawks. Then Juju Smith-Schuster re-signed with the Steelers. There is an aggressive push by the Ravens to try to re-sign or to try to sign him, uh, but he spurned a deal that was a little bit more money, and he stayed with the Steelers on a one-year deal. Uh, he could, I think, he could have taken more money elsewhere, uh, but he wanted to stay with the Steelers. He said he loves Pittsburgh. I owe him and Chase Claypool are friends. They get one more year with Big Ben. Uh, 
or presumably one year with Big Ben, and then, you know, maybe he can make a decision after that to where he wants to go uh, with his future, maybe sign a long-term deal, see if he can kind of be the number one wide receiver in Pittsburgh, which he's proven that he cannot be that guy. He has proven he cannot be the number one wide receiver. Uh, He was good as the number two with A.B., but has not been the number one. So now, who has made the best deals in free agency? I have to go with the Cleveland Browns. The Browns signed safety John Johnson and cornerback Troy Hill from the Rams. And to me, was the best deals, best value, best all around. Address needs, uh, holes in their defense. Uh, and to me, this makes the Browns a whole lot better. You have an offense that was really good. Baker hitting his stride second half of the season last year. A great offensive line. Best running back duo in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. You had Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Rashad Higgins. Uh, Hooper is tight end. You'll have OBJ coming back next year, Odell Beckham Jr. And on defense, you had Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. But you needed another cornerback and another safety. And guess what? They got another cornerback, Troy Hill who is, to me, the best slot corner in the game, and they got him for next to nothing, like two years, uh, $9 million avoidable contract, so really paying him next uh, to nothing when you just saw you know, Justin Coleman for the Lions a few years ago get the most lucrative contract for a slot corner, and the deal didn't turn out good. So this is a great deal uh, for the Browns. And if Troy Hill performs like he did on the Rams, uh, who is an issue for slot-wide receivers night in and night out, then this will be a great, great get for the Browns. And then John Johnson is one of the best safeties in the league. He was a signal caller for the Rams. He called the shots. He was able to play deep, cover the field. That's what he'll be asked to do with the Browns. And he'll be able to do it. This is a great signing. Shored up any issues that I believe they had in the secondary. Uh, The Browns realized how good they were last year. How close they were to beating the Chiefs. Yes, Patrick Mahomes left the game early. But still, they were in contention. Some calls went against him uh, that were should enough. So they say they want to run it back. Let's try to win this division. Strike while we can. We've proved we can beat the Ravens. We can beat uh, the Steelers. We can play with those teams. Let's address some of our defensive concerns and try to get back out there. So great moves by the Browns. To me, the most surprising moves were made by the Jaguars and Patriots uh, because they were handing out money in free agency like it was candy. Uh, just because you have money in free agency doesn't mean you have to spend it. You know, it's like getting a bonus uh, from your company you work for, you know, getting your tax refund and just spending it right away on hot ticket items. Uh, You know, then you look back, you know, even a year later, sometimes it'll be two or three, but you look back and you say, what the heck did I just do? Now, yes, I believe the Jaguars and Patriots will be improved from these moves, uh, but the Jaguars, anything is improved from 
you know, a 1 in 15 record last year. Anything is improved by that. So when we're handing out money to Shaq Griffin to be a number one true, you know, top five, ten cornerback in the game, I don't like that deal, you know, signing wide receiver and running backs. Uh, I don't like that either uh, to all the money that they spent um, to me. Make some moves in a draft. Urban Meyer was upset about the free agent process, and guess what? He'll continue to be upset about that. Same with the Patriots signing tight end galore, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, uh, Nelson Aguilar, wide receiver, uh, overpaid for him. You had defensive players coming back, so to me that was already going to make you better. Do I believe that the Patriots will be improved? Yes, I do. But to me, the Bills are the cream of the crop now in the AFC East. Why? Because they have Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, a lethal quarterback wide receiver duo. Guess what? The Patriots do not have that. They have Cam Newton, who's just a competent quarterback, a no-star wide receiver, and a couple tight ends over there. So we'll see what to make of them. But to me, they made the most surprising moves. Now, who won free agency? That would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Why is that? They didn't make any huge signing move, a new addition. But guess what? They re-signed everyone when a lot of people thought they wouldn't. Signed Brady, re-signed Levante David, re-signed Shaq Barrett, signed Chris Godwin, re-signed Gronk. Uh, they're all set on the board. They are ready, officially ready, to run it back. It was great for them. Uh, you know, maybe just a couple of depth pieces now. You know, Dominic Sue, maybe Antonio Brown, maybe he'll go somewhere else, but they have depth there uh, with Scotty Miller to plug him in. So the Buccaneers won free agency just by re-signing everyone when nobody thought they would. So that was great by the Bucks. They are the most prepared to go into the new year. Uh, already won a Super Bowl. First year with everybody. Uh, let's see what they can do in year two. Now, who lost free agency? Uh, to me, it was up between two teams, and those teams were the Chiefs and the Packers. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Packers as losing free agency. The reason I said the Chiefs is because they cut both left tackle and right tackle. Uh, yes. They did sign Joe Thune, uh, who's a great guard. They signed Kyle Long, uh, but now it's their left tackle. What happens there uh, with Remmers since Eric Fisher's gone, Schwartz is gone? That will be interesting. But they at least signed a couple of people, restructured contracts, so to me they didn't officially lose it, whereas the Packers did lose it. Why did they lose free agency? Well, simply put, they lost a key uh, running back in Jamal Williams, who is that you know third down running back or that pass catching running back. Doesn't fumble the football. He went to a rival in the Lions. That doesn't mean much for them playing the Lions because that won't do much damage. But he was a great teammate to have uh, for the Packers. Uh, well respected in the locker room. Great guy. Uh, you lose some experience. Back there, especially if you know Aaron Jones were to get hurt, I don't think AJ or DJ Dillon, whatever his name is, 
is the main back or should be the main back yet for the Packers, which is why they re-signed Aaron Jones. And then the Packers also lost star center Corey Lindsley, one of the best centers in game, who anchored one of the best offensive lines in football. You had Corey Lindsley and Dave Bakhtiari, and you were kind of set there on the offensive line. So that is huge to lose your starting center, a relationship that is needed for the quarterback. So that's huge. Uh, so they also didn't even re-sign a replacement for anybody. They haven't really signed anybody in free agency. They re-signed some of their players, but they're known to be quiet in free agency. They're also uh, see what happens in the draft. They need a center. They need a running back. They also need wide receiver depth as well to help out Aaron Rodgers if they really want to make a run. And the Packers were close to beating the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game, but could not get the job done. I thought at least they'd try to re-sign all their players and see what they had, but losing a top center like Corey Lindsley is huge for the Packers. Very surprising that they didn't re-sign him at all. Now, Moving on to the NBA, LeBron is now out for a few weeks with a high ankle sprain. No AD. What are the Lakers going to do? You watched your game yesterday with the Suns. Uh, their offense looked disheveled. Uh, you know, LeBron is the one who kind of he takes over the game, facilitates the game in a way that no one else can. Uh, so, yes, they did look disheveled against the Suns. Yes, they were also playing a back-to-back, which didn't help either. But Montrezl Harrell played great, had a double. Kyle Kuzma is looking like he's going to step up. Uh, Dennis Schroeder as well. It's just, can they get those uh, points every night from them? You know, can people step up like Wesley Matthews, who's been terrible all year? Can KCP, who's a streaky shooter, step up when needed? That remains to be seen. But until then, uh, I think the Lakers, you know, have a decent rest of March. And I think, you know, they'll win a couple games. They play the Pelicans. I think they can beat them without LeBron and AD. The Sixers, you know, I think they'll get crushed. Uh, the Cavs, I think they'll beat them. Magic, I think they can beat. Then they play the Bucks and lose, and then you know reevaluate in April. But you have a trade deadline now. How does that impact you? Nets are now the title favorites. Uh, what's going to happen? Even the Lakers stars are saying that hey, everything's totally different with LeBron out. Nobody said that with AD out. But he said hey, we'll have to adjust now. Everything is totally different. Without LeBron, that's the impact LeBron has. And now it looks like, you know, Harden could overtake. LeBron is in the beat as the MVP favorite. You know, with two front runners now down with injury. Now could lead somebody to come in and swoop that award. But tonight, I will pick one NBA game before I get into my NBA top five. And that game is the Pacers and the Bucks. And I'm rolling with the Bucks. To me, I think this is an easy one just to get my confidence up. So hopefully, I am not wrong. I'm picking the Bucks because they've won six straight. 
behind Giannis Antetokounmpo playing great offensively. He's leading them across the board, averaging a double-double, 29-11. and 11. Uh, They've won 9 out of their past 10. Their defense is also really good. Uh, and the Pacers have just been allowing more points than they've been scoring, which is no recipe for success at all, which is why I am rolling with the Bucks. Now my NBA top five. Number five, and this was hard. It was hard to do the top five, uh, especially number five. I'm going to say you had the Clippers right there. You had the Bucks right there. You had the Lakers, those three teams. Which of those are you going to pick to number five? And I had to pick the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes, LeBron is out. Yes, they have back-to-back losses, but one was out LeBron playing on back-to-back days. But they were looking good before that loss. Schroeder and Harrell uh, playing really good. Uh, we can see if they will continue their success. I think just losing LeBron, you know, I think I had the Lakers at three or four last week. I don't think losing LeBron is enough to drop you out of a top five. Uh, they have to really kind of stink it up now for them to be out of a top five, but with especially the Bucks picking up steam, we'll see what happens. But that was the closest one. Hopefully the Lakers can pick it up, win a few games without LeBron James. Number four, the Phoenix Suns. Why are they number four? Well, CP3 is the floor general, the assist master, He's so good. They've won two of their last three. They had to have a great offense, as I just said, with CP3 facilitating, but also Devin Booker, as well as shooting the ball, DeAndre Ayton, uh, protecting the rim and getting down in the post. They really have all facets that make up a great offense, and they really have an under-the-radar defense. To me, their defense does not get talked about enough uh, with their offense. But to me, this is a team that's going under the radar because uh, you're in a vaunted West with the Jazz, the L.A. teams, uh, the Nuggets. So they're kind of just all under the radar right now, and I bet the Suns are loving it. Number three, the Brooklyn Nets. You know, Blake Griffin looked all right in his one game. He finally dunked. It's been a couple years. But... The Brooklyn Nets are playing great basketball. Yes, we just had a recent loss to the Magic. But James Harden is phenomenal. I think he might be pull off an MVP heist. Kyrie Irving is amazing. He's playing at a high level. Superstar level, the level that... We like seeing out of him. He won't be there the next few games due to family issues. So guess what? It's going to be a James Harden show for the next week. That's what it will be. That we'll see if, hey, James Harden has taken over, guys, as MVP. If the Knights Nets are actually the true, true title favorites. Number two, the Philadelphia 76ers. Why? They've only lost one game in March. 
one game without Embiid. That game came down to the wire against a really good and hot Bucks team. The 76ers are playing great without Embiid. As I mentioned, I've only lost one game without him on a winning streak. They're just clicking. Doc Rivers, to me, looking like the coach of the year. Uh, the way he's gelled with these young guys in Philadelphia. This is a great team and one that, to me, I think is getting overlooked because guess what? They're in the East with the Brooklyn Nets, with KD, uh, who's been MIA for a while, uh, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. They are getting overlooked, but don't overlook the Sixers. The number one, but isn't the true top dog anymore, is the Utah Jazz. They remain at one, uh, but they are not as a strong number one as they used to be. Uh, they've won two out of their last three as well. Their offense is still really, really solid. Uh, Mike Conley dishing the ball out. Donovan Mitchell scoring. Rudy Gobert, uh, perimeter uh, uh, post threat, rim protector, rebound, double uh, double. 11 points, you know, 11, 12 rebounds. He's great. Rudy Gobert is great. Uh, All-stars on their team. But their defense, what really made up this team, is really on a downward spiral. Uh, It is uh, just a descending, decreasing stock. Kind of values what this defense is going through. Uh, But to me, they can shore that up. They have the pieces. They have the coaching there to shore that up. And they're still hanging on to the best point differential. Yes, they're not winning games like they used to by double digits night in and night out. But they are still a very, very, very good team who are legitimate uh, threats to come out of the West. And I think they very might well, uh, with the L.A. teams kind of in shambles and looking lost. It could be the Jazz and the Suns, who knows. But that's my top five. The Lakers, the Suns, the Nets, the 76ers, and the Jazz. Now, on to March Madness. It has been the most madness ever in terms of higher seeds of at least five seeds higher. Winning and upsetting the favored team. Right off the bat, let me pull up my bracket here. The first day... You had Oral Roberts and Ohio State. Ohio State, you know, one of the favorites to make a run. And guess what? Knocked out by Oral Roberts right away. Gone. Boom. Forget about them. No more Ohio State Buckeyes. Then the next day, you had Abilene Christian over Texas 14 versus 3 in an upset that nobody saw coming. That was huge for Abilene Christian. Then yesterday, you had Loyola Chicago over Illinois. To me, this was the biggest upset. But I did like Loyola Chicago. I did. It was just the biggest upset in terms of Illinois. 
kind of being the favorite to win it all. Uh, they were picked the most in ESPN expert panel brackets. I think they were picked the most in just regular general brackets as well by people. It was either Gonzaga or Illinois. Illinois fell short to Loyola Chicago. The Gramblers were too much. Sister Jean was too much. Porter Morser was great. Uh, people forgot the run that they uh, went on a few years ago when they were the 11 seed and rambled all the way on to the Final Four. But yesterday, Cameron Crutwig got the best of Coffee Coburn, uh, sized him up. Cameron got a triple or a double double yesterday, led them in assists as well. Uh, this is a very well coached, very well coached Loyola Chicago team uh, who plays well together uh, and got the better of Illinois. Uh, did a great job of shutting down Iowa. Dosanmu uh, shut him down in a way that I thought nobody else could as he was on a great run in the Big Ten uh, championship games. And But then it wasn't over. You have the same day yesterday. You had Oral Roberts over Florida. So a number 15 seed is going to the Sweet 16 a second half comeback to upset the Florida Gators. You also had Syracuse over West Virginia. Uh, to me, that wasn't a huge surprising upset as Syracuse is always great with Jim Hay- uh, Jim ba- Jimmy Beheim. Uh, but they were an 11 seed going against a 3 seed of West Virginia. Uh, but Buddy Beheim helped his dad out. They won that game. Then today... Iowa lost to Oregon, really got beat thoroughly, 95-80. to Luca Garza looking like uh, the player of the year, and he was great in that game for Iowa. He was, you can't say anything about his performance, 36 points, 3-for-4 uh, four, four from 3, over you know, 50-60% from the field. Luca Garza was incredible, playing 36 minutes, uh, Wise Camp was great as well, added 17. But this was a problem with Iowa. They couldn't defend as they allowed Oregon to shoot over 50% and almost 50% from three. Uh, Iowa had big or huge losses because they couldn't get help from anybody outside of Garza or Wise Camp. Frederick, zero points. McCaffrey, zero points. Bohannon, who is great. Zero points. Murray off a of bench only had six. Uh, my Ogundeli had zero. Uh, the other McCaffrey had ten. So no, this was not a good look for Iowa at all. Not good. Uh, now I'll get into my get your goat rant, which is the Big Ten basketball uh, conference has looked terrible. Uh, I believe there's only two teams left in the Big Ten, which is Michigan playing tonight and Maryland uh, playing tonight. And nope, they are not good, overrated. I believe they had nine teams 
come into the tournament. And now they only have two left, Maryland and Michigan, like I said. And they both could be out tonight. And Big Ten, everybody who said was the best conference in college basketball, now looks like the most overrated conference. Don't look like the best. Uh, you know, but to me, it's kind of all over my map. You know, you can make, make an argument for the Big Ten, but you had West Virginia go out. You had uh, Oklahoma State with Cade Cunningham go out to Oregon State. Uh, yesterday, so that didn't help. Uh, ACC, you know, you have uh, Syracuse pulling well, but you had North Carolina lose. Uh, you had Virginia lose. You know, to me, it looks like the SEC, you've got Alabama, uh, Arkansas there, but who knows about that. Uh, the Pac-12, you've got Oregon, Looking good. You've got Oregon State looking good. And USC could pull off an upset against Kansas. So it just looks like very balanced. But to me, Big Ten is the most overrated as they got the most hype, most press all the year. Saying, hey, you know, you're, the teams in the Big Ten are just beating themselves up. But guess what? They'll be ready to go come March Madness because you've played the best lot of games. But it does not look like that way at all. And to me, it's very different than college football. Because in college football... Uh, you know, you're kind of underprepared when you play week out of conference scheduled teams and you just play your division and then, you know, you show up for a playoff game or just a bowl game and you look terrible, but you're like, oh, I was in a good division. No, you really weren't. Same thing happening to college basketball. It doesn't matter what division you're in. If the other team plays harder than you, that's all that really matters. So, but my team's Michigan. They're still there. It's nerve-wracking. To me, LSU's been better of late recently than Michigan. Uh, You know, barely losing to Alabama, but they pulled great wins against, you know, Arkansas in the tournament, Ole Miss, Missouri, all teams that are in the tournament. Well, Michigan's been struggling, losing to Ohio State, Michigan State. Not looking the same with Isaiah Livers. I'm picking Michigan to win tonight. I think Michigan will win, but I'm very, very nervous about that pick. Uh, I think LSU can definitely upset Michigan. It looks like UCLA is pulling ahead with Abilene Christian right now. Uh, Ohio and Creighton, you've got Colorado, Florida State. Uh, Colorado dismantled Georgetown and what a lot of people thought Georgetown could kind of run it after what they did in the Big East. But to me, Florida State's been here before. I could see Florida State winning. Maryland, Alabama is kind of that tough game. A lot of people picking Alabama to come out of the East. Uh, but will another uh, you know upset special be in the case? USC, Kansas, two evenly matched teams. What happens there? It is just insane, insane, insane. But to me, my official pick... When I did my own bracket, was Illinois. So you can say my bracket was busted. However, on the ESPN app, I did create like, you know, 25 brackets like you could. And I did create all kinds of ones with upsets that I thought would happen. So I thought, you know, Abilene Christian could beat Texas. I picked one of that one time. I said Oral Roberts against Ohio State. I said North Texas against Purdue. I kind of thought all of those to me, there was just, you know, you can't get all of them. Uh, to me, the biggest one was obviously Oregon, Iowa. 
I didn't have that in any of my brackets. I thought Iowa was really a team to make a run to the Elite Eight or Final Four. However, that was not the case. To me, that was the biggest one in the West so far, depending on Gonzaga. If the Ray reach the Elite Eight and lose, then to me, I look on that with no shame. But losing in the Sweet 16 to either Creighton or Ohio, that could be a different story. In the East, uh, as I said, I picked Abilene Christian over Texas. I picked uh, Purdue to lose as well. But, you know, you had LSU and St. Bonaventure. uh, Teams that, you know, you could have gone either way on. Same with the South Bracket as well. Uh, I didn't think Oral Roberts would make the Sweet 16 at all. I thought Florida would be the team to beat them. However, that was not the case at all. I thought Texas Tech and Arkansas was a great game. Arkansas pulled away. Uh, Tennessee, I mean Oregon State and Oklahoma State, I thought Kate Cunningham was going to do it. Uh, Not the case at all. I thought West Virginia could do it against Syracuse. Again, not the case. So this is just March Madness to the max. But right now, with Illinois out, to me, looks like you know Gonzaga, Baylor are the two remaining favorites. But a lot can change today within the coming week, for sure. Now moving on to NHL. Uh, my Penguins, Pittsburgh Penguins, dropped two out of three versus the Devils on that six-game winning streak. Now I've lost two out of three. One was in overtime. Still in the third spot, which is good. Good for the Penguins. I'm happy about it, especially with Evgeny Malkin out, Jason Zucker out. Uh, when key players are out and you are at least uh, keeping games close and getting wins, uh, those are positives to take away. Tampa Bay is, again, looking like the best team in the NHL. Uh, Vasilevsky is very impressive. They're kind of pulling away uh, with the President's Trophy, at least to me. The Islanders lost Anders Lee, uh, their captain, their best player, but they've looked fine without him so far, uh, crushing the Flyers. So I don't see a huge drop-off there, but time will tell. Uh, to me, the biggest surprise is the Blackhawks, who started off so well and have fallen so short as of recently. Why do I say that? Uh, they have won two out of their last nine games, only won two games in March. You know, they were right there uh, within top of a division uh, starting the month. But now they are out of a playoffs at the end of the day. Uh, they have allowed the Columbus Blue Jackets to crawl back and tie them in points and actually own a tiebreaker now. So Chicago needs to get on a winning streak. They played the, played the easy part of your schedule early, which is what people said. But now facing the Lightning, the Panthers, uh, a bunch, they have lost a lot of those games. But we'll see because guess what? They keep on playing the Panthers. They play the Hurricanes. They're going to have to start beating those good teams uh, before they kind of get into an easier stretch with the Predators, Stars, Blue Jackets, Red Wings again. But the Blue Jack or the Blackhawks need to pick it up. 
only saying that because my brother is a Blackhawks fan and somehow he's happier when they are winning. Toronto and Edmonton are neck and neck in the North Division. Austin David, or my, my bad, I switched up those names. Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid vying it out for top spot there. Uh, Vegas looks like it's also in control of the West, like Tampa Bay is in the Central. But that remains to be seen as Colorado is on their tails. And you have the other teams fighting for the spots, you know, Minnesota and St. Louis. But that's great as they are halfway done with the season. Then Sammy Watkins, I got an alert saying he is scheduled uh, to visit with the Rams, the Bears, and the Ravens. If I had to pick between those three teams, I would love to see Sammy Watkins go to the Rams. That would be amazing. I would love that. All right, my bad. Use the schedule to visit the Colts, not the Rams. Uh, I think that would be great for the Colts. Uh, they definitely need it. They need the number one wide receiver uh, to pair with Carson Wentz. I don't know if he's that guy, but pairing him with T.Y. Hilton would help. I'm sure the Ravens want to re-sign or sign Sammy Watkins just to have a better wide receiver than Marquise Brown uh, there with Lamar Jackson. He's still young, only 27 years old, but it just looks like he has a lot of miles on his belt going from the Bills to the Rams to the Chiefs, winning a Super Bowl, though. He's a great player. So that is it. That is all for sports. My one final thing I will say is I watched the Snyder Cut, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and it was amazing. It was one of the best movies I've ever seen. One of the best movies of all time. One of the best comic book movies I've ever seen. I'm not a DC fan. I marvel usually all day. I like some of the DC characters. Uh, but just watching that movie. And I kind of did a little DC marathon before. Uh, you know, watching Aquaman I haven't seen. And you know, Batman vs Superman. The Ultimate Edition and all that. Uh that movie was really, really good. Uh, only issues I had was just a little bit too much slow-mo for me, uh, slow motion cuts. I'm fine with that for the slash, where you, know, where you slow it down or things of emphasis, but to me there was a lot of that and very little too much. Uh, the epilogue wasn't needed, but if he plans on making future uh, movies, which I hope he does, I hope Restore the Snyderverse works, that would be amazing. But Zack Snyder, that was truly a brilliant, brilliant movie. Uh, I hope you get to foresee and continue the vision that you had. But that movie was fantastic. The characters were great. The plot was great. The motivation for the villain was good. Everything was spot on. Uh, The four-hour cut was needed, and I'm glad we got it. But I will end on that. If you haven't seen Zack Snyder's Justice League, give that a watch. Now let's get through the rest of the week, and I'll be on the air soon. Bye, everybody.